Welcome to Tell Me More, Tell Me More, the podcast. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm your host, Adicia. And this is a movie musical podcast where we watch a movie musical and then we talk about it. And we are in Pride Month. We are in Biopic Pride Month. We are in Jukebox Musical Pride Month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're doing The Runaways, which is a a movie about the Runaways, the band. (laughs) Okay, um, I guess since it's not really, I, I guess it's similar to what we did with uh, Elton before, what's your history right. with um, The Runaways movie I watched band? it. I watched the movie when it came out, mm-hmm. um, well not in cinemas but like a little later on like DVD or whatever. Um, and I remember really liking it. What what year did this come out? Twenty twenty ten. Twenty ten. Okay, I remember liking it. Um, I Cherry Bomb. <laughs> I've mentioned this before off air, but like Cherry Bomb is like one of the songs that just like fucking burrs into my head and it's just there forever. And so like every now and again, like in my like I'll just like randomly quote it, but like to myself. Mm-hmm. Only because I just, that's the only song that, like, in my, it was just, like, super, super catchy um, to me. But, like, I like the Runaways uh, music. Otherwise, I don't listen to it often. It's sort of in a genre of music that where I'm, like, I will listen to it under specific conditions. Um, it's, like, the Pretty Reckless. Like, I love them, but, like, also under specific conditions. So... That's kind of my history with it. What about you? Um, I think I started to watch this movie uh, a number of years ago, but I didn't finish for whatever reason. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I do remember seeing a, a part of it, but not the whole thing. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, as for the band itself, uh, again, I, I'm familiar with Cherry Bomb. Uh, I think I think that is a song that if you don't know who the Runaways are, you know that song. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I I I'm more familiar with Joan Jett. Um, sure. Yeah. As a, as a I should have said that too, because that's true <laughs> for me as well. I know more Joan Jett music than I do the Runaways. I mean, she did write many of the Runaways songs. Uh, I I think I think that's, and I'm also familiar with. Lita Ford because she's one of the Bengals but we got two great bands out of that one um but apart from that I don't have much familiarity with um the runaways so a lot of the beginning of this movie goes back and forth between uh Sherry Curry and Joan Jett Um, oh yeah I should say that it is based on um Sherry Curry's um, um, autobiography, Neon something, Neon Angel, Neon something, I should have looked that up, but it's Neon something, and um, so it's mainly through her perspective of how the band, you know, was like and stuff, and because Joan Jett was probably the closest to her in the band, uh, we get a bit of Joan Jett as well. 
and yeah. And also the forming <laughs> of the runaways is a little different than in the movie, but slightly, just like a little bit. But yeah, just a little, just a touch, <laughs> just a smidge. Um, but yes, so we get introduced first to Sherry, who is uh, a young girl. Um, I think she's fifteen at the start of the film. She is wanting to. Uh, what, what What is the opening scene of the movie? Honestly. Um, well, oh, are you asking genuinely or like genuinely? Like, no, genuinely. Okay, so she, okay, she gets uh her period out of nowhere. Right. I was gonna say and something about that opening made me very uncomfortable, and I could not remember <laughs> what it was. And as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is uh, the first shot of the movie. Yeah. Um. So that happens, and. Her sister and her are waiting to get picked up by her sister's boyfriend, who, like, is such a creep. Like, such a, such a, like, we never see him again, but it was mm-hmm. enough. It was the, 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 the four minutes that we saw him for was enough, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Joan Jett, on the other hand, is shopping with all of the money that she's clearly saved up for a while and she's scrounged and collected because it's all coins to get a leather jacket so that uh, she can be herself in leather. (laughs) She wants to be a rock star. Sherry also wants to be a rock star. She um, idolizes David Bowie but honestly who doesn't at that time um but she in her talent show she dresses up as him and does a lip sync in the 70s it goes about as well as expected i i just i find it interesting because the way it comes across in the movie i don't know how it comes across in real life but Mm. joan jett seemed to be much more like hungry for it if that makes sense i mean yeah she was proactive yeah if yeah she was like more proactive in the whole process and sherry seems to have almost fallen into it which i mean may not be like how she felt and was about it but like in terms of how it comes across yeah um so we have a scene of like uh, Joan sort of like she has a guitar and she's getting lessons, and um, he's be- he's she's being taught like a sort of basic song that you learn kind of when you're learning to play an instrument. So it's like a not like it's like a folk song or like a nursery rhyme type song, and she's like, no, I want to fucking rock, and like she's like, I don't, this is not what I want, and. And then she just runs out. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm conflating two separate scenes at this moment, but she just runs forever. Oh, wait, no, no the, I am conflating running, two scenes. Yeah, because the, the running, running happens when she gets the jacket. Yeah. And she just, like, fucking runs forever. <laughs> and it's just like, why is she? What is happening? 
What is this it, meant to convey? In 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 the guitar scene is when um, the instructor says girls don't play electric guitar, and mm. she decides to completely ignore him and then plugs in the guitar anyway and he's yelling at her to stop and I think she gets kicked out of the guitar lesson. Yeah. Or she walks out. I don't know. She seems very like, I want to do this shit. I want yeah. basics, man. I want to skip to the hard stuff. We never see Joan's parents or any kind of uh, parental unit. She just seems very on her own. Um, very a lot of the time. She's meant to be like 15, 16 as well, right? At that time? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, so when we cut back to Sherry, um, it's her birthday, but we see that her father isn't around. She is on the phone with him. Um, their parents seem to have either divorced or separated she has a sister um and her sister is meant to be her twin i found this twi- out later they're twins they're meant to be twins yeah i thought she was older same okay i for the beginning i thought she was older and then somewhere towards the middle i was like maybe she's younger she's acting like a little sister right now and then uh afterwards when i was doing you know the sort of cursory research i tend to do i was like oh they're twin sisters that's not that's not <laughs> no <laughs> i guess that makes but sense yeah. now with what uh well their names are marie and sherry that makes sense yeah. also um when her sister complained that she got um it first she was like why do you have to get everything first um and i was like yeah now that you say that that makes more sense now yeah i see I see mm-hmm. it. I see it in view. But yes, her dad does not come to her birthday. She feels a way about it, clearly. Um, after that, it is that nightclub uh, scene with Kim Fowley. Joan goes up to... Like, she briefly sees Sherry, but they don't interact at all. Um, and I don't know if that ever happened in real life. Um, mm-hmm. But it was an interesting scene. Um, but Joan sees Kim and goes up to him, introduces herself. Um, Kim seems very unimpressed until Joan says that she wants to form an all-girl rock band, which you say did not happen in that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It was a little, not boring, but like a little less cinematic than that. In yeah. that, like, um, Kim already was working, or working with, or had like a thirteen-year-old songwriter, who was—it's just these ages, um, but like this child, um, <laughs> who was a songwriter, Harry Chrome, and she, and then, ah, fuck, I, he gave, uh, Jet, Joan, Jet, Joan Jet's number to her to the song Carrie Chrome and I know she meets Sandy West yeah. in the movie but like it happens a little differently than that like not like so much so that I'm like scandalized by how they did <laughs> it <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm just like yeah. that's just different things happened other ways but yeah <laughs> all right 
so as you mentioned, um, Kim basically pawns her off to Sandy West, and they end up practicing to Kim's utter chagrin because they sound a hot mess uh, initially. <laughs> Uh, when he goes to see them, though, they don't sound terrible, but they're just, the band is not full, and he's just, I don't know if these are words that Kim Fowley would say, but he is just a very aggressive Oh, no, they man. are. They are. <laughs> um, recording, again, I'm going to interject with a lot of, because I watched so many interviews, but, like, again, like, he was so verbally abusive to them yeah. like at all times and like he'd be like dog shit and like fuck you <laughs> to these children so looking through um a book a magazine i'm not sure but uh it's about bardo bass and he sees a blonde bombshell and decides that that is what their band needs a bleach blonde bombshell so he goes back to the um the nightclub with Jones and is just looking through these young girls, all these blonde young women girls. They're not women, they're girls. <laughs> oh god, they're girls. Um and they come upon Sherry who initially doesn't look like she cares much until um he starts talking about uh her becoming famous and being in a band and Joan is just in the back like when Kim asks uh do you sing you play an instrument and Joan is just like say yes <laughs> just not say yes um <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I found funny but the band is beginning to form she has to she as in Sherry has to audition um, as a singer. So she goes home to practice fever. Uh, yeah, they Susie. ask her if she knows any Susie Quattro songs. And she's like, yeah, sure, I do. And then she goes home and she practices a cover <laughs> um, of, like, the least, like, ah, type of song. I don't know. To be To be fair to her, though, they didn't tell her what kind of band it was <laughs> sure that is also true um, oh yeah. also wait at that club scene oh god i hated this line when um after uh sherry's like yeah sure whatever and then he's like okay great he's like um what oh jail jail oh, fucking bait um god wait what did he say something fucking something and then jail fucking bait and i was just like I think he said, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like upset at that. It was stop talking, sir. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get better. So yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it truly doesn't. Nothing improves. But um, yeah, so she goes to the audition. Uh, they are unimpressed with the idea of her auditioning to Fever. And then they come up with Cherry Bomb in the span of, like, two minutes. Which uh, is the actual story of Cherry Bomb. It was written and on the spot for her to 
audition with because she had come in with fever. Mm-hmm. So that part's like accurate as far as stories have been told. She comes back in, she does the audition, Kim harasses her more, um, until she says it the way that he wants her to say it because um men are terrible <laughs> and will eat yeah. them alive if they don't um if they aren't prepared. And yeah. he really hammers that home so many times. She does it the way that he wants to and she is a part of the band. Ooh, they have a front woman. They go bond a little bit. Her sister seems unimpressed with the idea that her sister is going to be in a band. Um, and starts telling her about all of those bands that think they're going to make it but don't. Um, and then yeah. her mom decides that they're moving to Indonesia. And... <laughs> But by they, she just means herself and her fiancé, boyfriend, person. Oh my god. That is just... Places, places! We're moving to Indonesia! And I was like, oh. Well, that's the only time we see her. And immediately, just... I know too much about her. But yes, Sherry and Marie have go and stay with their father who is with their grandmother so that's working out I guess um, then we get rehearsal by fire courtesy of Kim Fowley and three random boys throwing dog poop at them and rubbish from outside the trailer to prepare them for heckling California yeah. Your paradise! I just, I can't. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the Kim is on the phone upstairs at this uh, party that the girls do not know they're playing for free at yet. Um, racking up their phone bill um, to promote the girls to get them on tour. And mm-hmm. it works, but the cops come and break up the party so they have to scatter they're going on a tour tour is a different a different beast altogether yeah because they're <laughs> opening for different acts and stuff right yeah uh we, we get a glimpse of Cherie's um alcoholic well according to him not but alcoholic father and they're on the road they're having to share hotel rooms with all of the girls because they have no money really um it's it's really a deep exploitation gig um the bands that they're fronting don't want the girls don't believe that the girls should be up there playing with them and taking this as just an example um, is, is the story of Joan urinating on another band's guitar true? Because if it's not I will be upset. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I did. I don't know about that one. Um, we also get glimpses of 
their uh, uh, drug use, they are living the rock star life and all yeah. of its components. Um, I think at this point, there's are they singing Queens of Noise? Queens of Noise. They were doing Queens of Noise for their um mic the check. So Queens of Noise happens during the mic check and then Dead End does this or whatever happens during the show. Yeah. After this we get another glimpse of how much they're struggling by the fact that Joan calls Kim to let him know that they're hungry, they need money. Meanwhile, Kim is busy closing a deal with a major label. Closing in quotation marks because, my god. Um, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, in the middle of. <laughs> he is. An encounter with a person of the female identifying. I don't know if she identifies as a if they identify as a woman. Who knows? Anyway, point is, woman is being, having had sex with <laughs> Kim. That was such a roundabout way to get to that. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not so a prude. <laughs> I don't even don't... know. I don't know. I just didn't want to say it, but I did. Here we go. There's, it's out there. Um, but yeah, only because I find him so gross, I think. That's my <laughs> issue. My issue is just like, I think he's just a very gross person. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, Joan is like, yeah, we're hungry, man. Can you send us money for food? And he's like, I don't have money. Anyway, goodbye. Take care <laughs> of everybody. <sighs> After that, they're on the road. Uh, again, we get a glimpse of Lita's antagonistic relationship with Cherie um, forming at the roots. And she does not let her have the song that she wants on the radio. After that, we get Joan singing, Playing With Fire, which I don't know if that happened in real life again. It's not on the soundtrack. How rude! Kristen Stewart sang, man. Why would you do this? <laughs> According to Wikipedia, um, the film included 34 credited songs, leaving 20 out of the official soundtrack. So... Okay, but like only seven of them are even sung in the movie anyway. Yeah. I love playing with fire. Yes. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, yes, interaction, Shuri and Joan. And then we get the news the next day that the girls have been signed to Mercury Records. They have a record deal. Wait, They're what? gonna be a real band. Oh yeah, this is after. Do they have sex that night? I or don't. Like implied that is, sex. That is the implication. Yeah, they have implied sex. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, it uh, Cherry confirms that they had relations at one point or another. They were very close. So. Okay. Yeah, they get signed. Another thing I noted: everyone signed with their left hand. I was. <laughs> 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 A little confused. Cherie returns home 
for a bit after they get some publicity and it's announced that the girls are going for a tour of Japan. Um, she goes back home to visit for a moment. Um, her sister thinks that she's going on the trip with them, but she's not, even though Cherie promised, but it's a little yeah. bigger than them now. And Cherie's um, like, nobody else is bringing their family. It's kind of lame and whatever. And she's like, I won't be a bother. I'll do your makeup. I'll make you guys some bags. Like, I'll be useful. I promise. And I'm like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> I think she's, like, sort of left that plane of, like, Twinsville right now, so. Yep, really has. Also, we get a clip of, um... Joan making a sex pistol shirt. Oh, yeah. Which makes me laugh because there's the story about how um, Sandy West threw um, Sid Vicious into the, <laughs> into the River Thames. God bless Sandy. Um, <laughs> they, don't, they don't use her enough in this movie. Yeah, this is another boot camp via Kim about how uh, Shuri is singing really just trying to emphasize sexualization um, of her. Yeah. Meanwhile, still a teenager, you know, still, like, should be allowed to not, mm-hmm. even though that is what is kind of propelling them right now. It's still, like, really awkward. And he sends over uh, photographers to fucking take some penthouse magazine type uh I don't even know what Penthouse magazine is, but it sounds like a very delicious <laughs> um, magazine. But yeah, just sort of like sexy photos and like, she's a minor. Stop it. Yeah. They get to Japan, um, having to get rid of their drugs on the way very immediately in the bathroom. In Japan, they are very popular because, you know, Japan is known for that just being fans they're very good at being fans so i mean like when uh japanese fans like a thing they tend to be very supportive of it yeah um visually supportive as far as i have seen yeah um and it's just droves of people they are swarmed when they arrive in japan it's madness it is the introduction of sheree's new outfit which consists of a corset and underwear, honestly. And fishnet um, stockings. Joan is a little concerned that they're going to get arrested for uh, whatever Cherie's doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a stage outfit. It's their own stage. Anyway. Um, I mean, now it's more, like, normal, but still mostly with the pop sort of side of things in terms of wearing something like that but yeah i can see how joan would be like no this is not what we do (laughs) they're just living life in japan they're on magazines they're eating food and getting interviewed um shuri is high as a kite when her sister calls to tell her that their dad is sick Uh, i don't have a home do you have a home (laughs) And she just sort of passes out, and you can still hear Marie on the 
on the other line, do we have the famous uh, performance in Japan mm-hmm. of Ch-Ch-Cherry Bomb? Hello, Daddy. Hello, Mom. I'm Ch-Ch-Cherry Bomb. Hello, world. I'm your wild girl. I'm your Ch-Ch-Cherry Bomb. I watched the side by side comparisons and I'm like, oh, she, she got something. Oh, there was a side-by-side? There's a side-by-side comparison, I need to, of that performance. We have the revelation of the scantily clad Nidaline photos, to the which, you know, again, it's not Cherie's fault, um, manipulated by circumstance. Yeah, Um, I mean, um, they also spoke about, like, and um, there's a documentary called Edge Play or something like that, Edge something yeah. or other, and it's basically the Runaways, um, and it's basically everyone from the Runaways except for Joan Jett, I think, um, and maybe even Terry Crowe, not quite certain, I can't remember, but anyway, point is, they like do mention that like Kim like plays them against each other, and like yeah. they never like properly sat down with each other or had like someone sit with them as they like say all these things that Kim has done or said to them in order to sort of realize oh he's playing us divide and conquer but yeah so like he liked to play up the infighting so that he could maintain control after that Cherie uh, collapses uh, she overdoses I think Mm -hmm. and is in the hospital for a while. Joan is with her. It's um, it's 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 the first moment when things have slowed down for Sheree. Yeah. Um, which is sad because again, they're teenagers. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know. Like when you're a teenager, you have the stamina, but still. Yeah, with all those drugs and performing live on stage and traveling and, you know, that's a lot on a body, regardless of age. When Cherie returns home again, um, she has a gift for her sister, her sister who has changed her hair, you know. (laughs) So they look more alike and is wearing more makeup. Yeah, she gets her sister a gift of a bag with her name on it like her sister wanted to do for them. Um, she goes to see her dad and ends up stealing some of his pills. It's really showing that she has a problem now, uh, whereas before it was like, oh, rock and roll life, you do whatever on the road, but, Mm -hmm. um, even in spite of her overdose, she's still having to feel a compulsion to take stuff. And then they're in the studio, right? Trying to record... And Cherie's reading a magazine interview, I think. It is, because Lita basically said that uh, Cherie should enter life. Um, and it just sets everything off, and Cherie walks out. She doesn't want to yeah. do this anymore, and Kim basically but yeah, like... The magazine interview that she's reading is like Kim saying she's hard to work with, and... Yeah. All this other, like, horrible stuff about her. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was... Kim said that in the magazine article, and Lita agreed. That is what 
really sets it off. Um, Sheree decides that she's done. Um, Kim tries to say that she's uh, his property. That uh, their like thing is his, and it's like, oh god, it's just it's so messed up. Mm. Um, trying to lock the power over them. But Sharice having none of it. Like, good on her to stand up for herself. Um, but there was really just no recovery from this. Because she left the band. She left the band for good um, at this point. Uh, the Runaways continued afterwards for like two years, which they don't show in the movie. Mm. But. Um, yeah, they did continue for a while, and then they split off. I mean, we have the um, sort of conversation between Joan and Sherry, where she's like, "I just, I'm, I need a, I need a break from this. I need to go home. I need to go with my family." Blah blah blah. And Joan's like, but "This is aren't we your fucked up family now? Or like, I, we have, I have nowhere else to go, but here, kind of thing." And it's really sad. Then we get an interview with Kim sometime in the future where he is like it was a project that failed and you know when you're raising a wild dog and it bites your hands and I'm just like it's not a wild dog these are teenagers these are teenagers that you berated every time you saw them that you yelled foul shit at like it's like these are these are girls yeah and like I think because again obviously I'm coming at this with having seen some interviews and just sort of how the runaways themselves felt and like it's just like obviously they couldn't even like go to anyone in the industry to be like this is shit and like whatever because he's you know one of those people who they're like yeah he's a little eccentric and he has a shtick and it's like no he's just an abusive man and like beyond the verbal abuse there was sexual abuse and so it's just like i i just i'm just like it's i I feel so like sad for them but like i don't know i feel so sad for them that they had to go through that because they don't no one needs to ever have to go through that regardless of what industry you want to be in like i get rock and roll is meant to be hard and whatever and it's run by men and you know, these are teen girls trying to make it in that world, but it doesn't mean that they need to be like, anyway, I'm going off, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's fine, it's fine. Um, Sherry tries to buy two onions and vodka. Um, oh yeah, she's like way out of it. She's out of it, she's underage, so I don't know what she thought her ID was gonna, gonna do. <laughs> for her. Like, Here's my ID, and I'm like, and? You're still not 21. Also, we had the scene just before that of Joan um, in her house where she lives, I guess. Um, (laughs) And just, I think, coming to, starting to come to a decision of what to do with her life now that her band's broken up. Cherie's in a bad place. She tried to call her sister to come get her, um, but she was at work. And she collapses in a phone booth. Joan is writing song lyrics in the bath 
is doing that back and forth juxtaposition thing with where they are in their lives. I feel so bad for Sheree because she's very alone. <laughs> um, Joan is alone too, but I think Joan was more used to it and so could cope a little better. Then we get that weird naked body shot of Kristen Stewart, and I just don't know how to feel about that. Sheree goes to rehab. I'm guessing that's what that facility is. The next time we see Joan properly, like when she's not on her couch, um, she has come to a decision, and she is making a new song. The new song being, um, what is the new song? Sheree, next time we see her, is stacking shelves in like, uh, I don't know, it's like a cake making store thing. Um, meanwhile, Joan is on the radio with her new release. It's a very awkward DJ. Good yeah. lord, I don't understand. I, I, but, <laughs> so, um, initially, when it's just the audio, he just sounds like a regular, just like, just like a chill person. But when yeah. you see the scene <laughs> itself, he looks uncomfortable. I don't he know. He looks so anxious. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheree calls into the station, um, and they have a brief conversation I guess it's the first time they've spoken in a long time they don't really know what to say to each other I guess it's they they have history so it's just it's a non-conversation it's not really the forum for them to have a conversation she's on the air yeah exactly so they sort of kind of like I, I gotta go yeah me too Alright. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. I wonder what everybody else listening to the radio is doing right now. <laughs> yes, that is the end of the movie. We get like tidbits of um what they did after Sheree did uh some acting but had problems with addiction. Um, Joan Jet formed Joan Jet and the Black Hearts um and is still playing music. Uh, Oh, also, Cherie is a chainsaw artist now. Uh, which yeah, and also she had like a, a, a band with her sister, Cherie and Kate. Cherie and Marie Curie. Curie, Curie. Yeah. And Kim Sally is a person. I don't care about him. Mm-hmm. So, that's the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean... I've said a lot about how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we know how I feel. Um, but another Little. thing about like the movie itself is that like I felt this way this time around watching it. Uh, the first time around, I just sort of let it walk over me, kind of in a way. But like this time around, um, it felt in a like just in the way that it was written and it may be like an accurate depiction of a lot of what the dialogue and kind of actions were but like it felt too like trying too hard to be hard and cool. <laughs> okay like just a little bit to me like it just the if it had like five less fucks or like <laughs> something like that it just it felt like 
what you know you imagine rock and roll world to be like and that may be the depiction of what rock and roll in the 70s 80s whatever turned out to be like but like it just uh-huh. it felt too like cool and i was like, <laughs> okay like i get it they're co- like beyond like without all of that like they're cool they're like 15 and writing rock music and performing and like not giving a shit and like looking cool too like i i'm already buying into this and the, <laughs> and the idea and the fantasy and all of it and the real real reality of it all but at the same time you don't need to tell me how cool it is i can tell it's cool you know that's how i felt but like i mean again this might be an accurate depiction of of it all and like um sherry and and joan uh also were kind of involved in a way uh with it and like you know helped uh dakota fanning and and kristen stewart with their acting and whatever so like they were involved very involved and it's based off of you know an autobiography so like it's it's a depiction of the events and you know the people who were there or there but at the same time, it just felt like it was trying to tell me how cool they were the whole time. And I'm like, I get it. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an extreme amount of input on it because it was the first time that I, I watched it. So I, I didn't really get um, all of that as mm. much as you got. <laughs> from it. Yeah, yeah. And again, um, that might just be me like watching it after having seen it before and also having watched a lot of interviews and whatever because I watched some interviews and stuff before I watched the movie and then I watched the movie and then I watched them afterwards and so like it's it's, yeah it might be a combination of all those things for me personally fair as per usual we'll get into the ratings so starting with music the music is good I mean, they it, again. It's it's like with the Elton John movie. It's just it's been established yeah. that these songs are good. Like sometimes in a standard musical, there will be songs that you just like. We don't hear enough of the Runaways. Like sure, there's like thirty songs in this movie, but some of them only happen for like a few seconds. Um, and a lot of them are just in the soundtrack, just sort yeah. of like as a scene's happening. Um, yeah. And not being actually sung by people. Uh, yeah. Except for the times where they play the Runaway song while the fake Runaways are on screen, and I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, it's about them. I, I don't, again, I don't have that much to say against it. Um, so for music, I'll give it a good four, 4.25, um, Cherry Bomb tattoos. Cool. It's a good time. The songs are good. Okay, so. <laughs> I enjoy them. <laughs> I enjoy them quite a bit. Um, yeah. I don't have anything really all that <laughs> negative either to say about the music. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give it like a four point two five. Yes, 
four cherry bombs and a firecracker. Mm. Um, okay, so next we have story. Um, following the path of autobiography's um, fictionalized version of real events. Uh, um, I feel like they didn't pull many punches they didn't delve into deep into like the psyche mm. of like the characters I think because there were more of them mm. so they couldn't afford to like they did with um Rocket Man which just like really is a delving into my psyche piece mm. um but I I, I think it, it was coherent. It, it was I wasn't like lacking for much. Mm. Um, I don't really know the story of the Runaways that well, so I wouldn't take this as gospel. But um, for a, pl- a play by play, I, I think it stands mm. pretty well, apart from the fact, <laughs> apart from the fact that one of the band members was just like, I don't want myself represented in this movie in any way you change that girl's name um, so I was like I don't know what that's about but um, yeah uh, story I'll give it a four four J- Joan Jet Jacket cool um, yeah it's like you said like I think I said this in the Rocket Man episode as well that it's like it follows pretty much the paint by numbers like biographical uh musical (laughs) uh movie like it follows pretty much the same type of beats almost um Mm -hmm. obviously you know with the movies we kind of expect some convention um but like as far as like what you said about like delving into the psyche i think like this this is just me rushing off of you. Um, <laughs> I think they could have afforded to uh dive in more into uh Cherry's psyche and just have it because it's already it's like already like sixty five percent her story. Like yeah. it's yes, it's called the runaways, but if they had just stuck to maybe the name of the book itself and then just sort of been more about that that would be i don't know it's because it, it's an overview really right we don't really get to connect mm-hmm. with them that much outside of like i have my opinions and strong opinions or whatever on like what happens to to the end around them only because even with the littlest of description i could get riled up about that but um, I don't know. Like it's just in terms of connecting to a character, we could we could have afforded to connect to one um, of them. But you know, anyway, story-wise, it's still it's still you know it's logical. It's still it's time. So I I'm a, I'm gonna give it like a mm, like a four for Joan Jet Jacket. Okay. And overall enjoyment, I watched this movie before going to work. Uh, <laughs> that that is 
see, you have to understand, the pillars of my enjoyment are based upon what I'm doing before or after having to watch this movie. <laughs> so, um, this movie was before going to work. I, I was interested in it. Like, I, I wanted to know what was happening at all times. I, I was never, like, bored. So, um, did I enjoy it? I mean, some parts, no, but that's more to do <laughs> with what was happening than, you know, mm-hmm. the the actual presentation of, of the entire storyline. Um, uh, but yeah, overall enjoyment, I guess it, it's, it's not a bad time, I'll give it a four. Marie Cherie rhinestone bags. <laughs> I, it was fun. <laughs> I remember really, really enjoying it the first time around. Um, I didn't hate it this time around, if that's how it sounds. No, it's just I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it more critically uh, than I would have when I initially watched it. Um, so, but like I did still have a good time. Um, so I will give it like a three point seven five. <laughs> with names on them. I like literally <laughs> forgot what it is. I was like, Marie something. Shree. They're called yeah. Marie and Shree. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> hey, dear listener of TMM, we've got a little obsession. So we'll have a discussion. Listen to a conversation. Hello, Daddy. <laughs> Hello, Mom. Oh, yeah. I didn't have any translation for that because <laughs> I didn't transcribe that in general. Okay. Do you want to go first? Should I go first? You can go first. You can switch yeah. it up. <laughs> Alright. Um, okay, so over the week I watched a couple of documentaries. Um, musical theater documentaries, which I don't do quite often, that often. I've watched one before, and I've mentioned it. It's the uh, the company um, recording, cast recording documentary that had the parody with John uh-huh. Mulaney in it. Anyway, not <laughs> what I'm talking about today. <laughs> today, I'm talking about um, Every Little Step, which is the chorus line um, documentary. Basically, it is, it's chronicles the casting process of um, the A Chorus Line revivals, I think 2006 or 2008, I can't really remember. And um, it just, we get some uh, of the original clips of the interviews that led to the creation of A Chorus Line, and then we get to see everybody like audition, so the dance auditions and the singing and the acting and all of that and callbacks and all of that and it's a very interesting look at like how that all goes um and i i really really enjoyed it like um there is i mentioned this before but i did a short course with new york film academy i did a musical theater course before and on the last week, um, every within, with every class, they tell us like tips and stuff about like um, 
auditioning and this, that, and the next thing. And then one of the teachers, I think it was the either the acting one or the um, audition technique, she said, make sure you write journal when you audition. Like, write down how you're feeling that day, what's going on in your life, and how your audition went, what did you do, you know, what, what happened in the room kind of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, because she said, like, when callbacks happen, you're going to have to be in that same space. And I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense, I guess. And then I watched every little step, and that that exact thing happens, where this person has, this woman has auditioned, and then eight months later or something around that, um, she comes in for the final callback, and she does something in her audition, and they're like, they stop her, and they're like, you're doing something very different than how you auditioned for us. Can you make, like you're making different choices. Can you do it exactly how you did for us before? And she's like, fuck, <laughs> what did I do before? And I was like, shit, so really, eight months later, they can be like, hey, can you give us the exact same performance? Which in a sense does make sense to me because it's like you need to be able to produce the that specific performance over and over night after night but eight months in between is a little <laughs> bit like it's asking for a lot but they like ask her that with without any irony or blinking or like it's just like yeah can you do that and she's like yeah sure of course and then she goes off and she says to the camera like i don't know what i did eight months ago like, <laughs> this is a very different place in my life and so, yeah, it's, it's got, like, a lot of those moments. Um, Ty Stiorio, like, one of the choreographers from um, Saving Dance, he's in there, and he auditions, and he has a huge ego, which took me by surprise for some reason. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and he doesn't get the role. Another <laughs> a documentary <laughs> that I watched was, I think it's called The Best Worst Thing That Never Happened, or Could Ever Happen. I don't really remember the title, but it's on... Netflix and every little step, by the way, is on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's there for you to watch with it. Um, but if you don't, then you can watch the best, worst thing that could ever happen or never happened or something like that. It's basically about the um, Merrily We Roll Along musical that, Stephen, that was written by Stephen Sondheim and was directed by Hal Prince, and it was a bomb and it flopped. And it was, it's just watching these people because they had footage of like their sort of rehearsal process and all of that and um it's sort of interesting to see how hype and everything everyone was they were like there's no way this could go and they're like everyone's like this is the best thing i've ever worked on and they're everyone's fucking excited and you know they don't there's no there's not really a point where they at least in terms of how they describe it that they stopped and were like, wait, are we doing the wrong thing here? Or like, this is wrong. Blah, blah, blah. They were like, this, we're in the pocket right now. That's the moment. And then like, they go on <laughs> and it flops. And it's just to see these people who, a lot of them were like, this was their first Broadway thing. And mm -hmm. then like, a lot of them just did not, like a lot of the ones that um, had um, the, sort of confessional type talking head interview, they didn't go back <laughs> to Broadway in that way. They like chose different directions for their lives. 
Um, and it's just, it's so insane to see that. And like, because it's Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince, you know? <laughs> they, they worked together for years and years making hit after hit, and then they just never, or I don't know if they've worked together since the revival thing, but they didn't work together ever again after that. Um, yeah, so, and I cried at the end. <laughs> I don't oh, remember no. why, but I know I cried, so. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for a documentary, uh, a ride, both, both are really good times. So that's it, Every Little Step on um, Amazon Prime, and then the best worst thing that could never happen, I don't know, <laughs> on Netflix. What about you? Um, well, this past week I watched The Wiz, um, for the small amount of time that it was on, uh, YouTube. It was good. It was, it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I mainly enjoyed watching Queen Latifah just be there. I wanna meet the wizard. Such a good song. Honestly. Just, just, just seeing her dressed as a wizard, just like, mm. my spirit ascended, I don't know, but <laughs> just the whole cast, everyone was so talented, everyone just was doing the most, and just like, chewing the scenery, and just, <laughs> um, yeah. God, I don't even know how to, how to properly describe it, it was just. It's just so fun. Um, it wasn't exactly the movie. Um, I think the only thing I was saddened by was the fact that they didn't do the Emerald City sequence, which was yes, the, um... same, thousand percent the same. I feel that way as well. Like it was a cool sequence still because they did all the voguing and everything, and I'm like, yeah. cool. But at the same time, I was like. <laughs> Do you know how good that sequence is in the movie? So. Which is fine. We'll cover it. Oh, God. We will cover it. There is a yeah. month dedicated to The Wizard of Oz later yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, I think that's why I don't want to get too far into my thoughts about it. Um, mm. But, yeah, no. It's available online. You can find it. Um if you if you want to um and um yeah i think that is everything cool all right um yeah i guess this brings us to the end just like last week i just want to say continue treating yourself well be okay if you're not feeling okay make sure you check in with yourself it is a weird time still. Uh, the world is still falling apart. Um, so so please still take time to like make sure you're okay. And obviously, please keep up the momentum of your educating and petition signing and donating and all of that because with the in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, not just in general. I mean, in general, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> but specifically because of the Black Lives Matter um, movement. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TMM, TMM Podcast, on Tumblr at 
tell me more, tell me more podcast.tumblr.com. You can also email us at tell me more, tell me more podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to the songs that we like from most episodes if the songs are available on Spotify. On our Spotify, just search TMM TMM podcast and you will find three playlists one for 2018 phase, 2019 phase, and then 2020 phase. Um, you can also listen to some bonus episodes on our Patreon if you search for Tell Me More, Tell Me More podcast or something for TMM TMM podcast. Um, we have some bonus episodes, but those come at a price. What price, you may ask? Any price. <laughs> Name your price. <laughs> you can access it through that. So there's some bonus episodes there. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you for listening to um, us talk about this movie. And we will catch you in the next episode. Um, I have been Leah. And I have been Adicia. And this has been Tommy Smart, Tommy Smart. Bye-bye. Bye.